This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here, and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast, episode 133 for this, have to say, gorgeous Friday, the 12th of May. While recording this at the West 10 Audio Production Studios here in town, the sun is shining outside the window, which is lovely to see. This podcast, by the way, is brought to you by our friends at the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History, Clonmel, who are celebrating International Museum Day on Thursday, the 18th of May. You can join them as they unveil a significant donation to the museum and later on, join them for a mindful walk to experience an early Irish monistic site and discover the beauty around Marleyfield, Clonmel. Expect the unexpected at Tipperary Museum. For more details, go to hiddenhistory.ie. So, how was your week? Hope it went well. I went along to see Little Shop of Horrors last Saturday at the White Memorial Theatre. What a brilliant show. Well done to everyone involved. And look out for Evita coming next year at the White Memorial Theatre from St Mary's Choral Society. I think it's coming in April. Speaking of shows, the Prayers and the High School announced this week that their new show will be Rock of Ages coming in October. That's something to look forward to. 75 million euro in funding was announced for Tipperary University Hospital this week, which will go towards healthcare equipment. That's some good news. Sadly, on a bad note, a number of cars were broken into over the old bridge during the week. Please remember to lock your vehicle. You'd be quite surprised the amount of people who don't do this. And on a good note, we found out this week that this year's Clonmel Pride will happen on Saturday, the 26th of August, and I'll have more on this in a few weeks' time. So, what is coming up this week on the Clonmel Podcast? Well, I chat to operatic tenor Joe Roach on being a member of the Welsh National Opera and growing up in town. Forest bathing comes to Crotty's Lake, a bike run fundraiser, furniture upcycling, and lots more all on the way. The Clonmel Podcast. But first, it's time for another episode of Historic Clonmel. And now, it's time for Dean McGrath to join Mark as they explore more of the history of Clonmel. This is Historic Clonmel. Welcome to another episode of Historic Clonmel. And I'm joined by Dean McGrath once again. This is where, Dean, we look at some of the buildings and get the story behind the buildings in our lovely town. Where are we today? We're currently right beside the beautiful West Gate at the top of O'Connor Street, or High Street, as it was known. Um, so this site, this West Gate that most people walk past, um, and we kind of take it for granted, it modernly was built in 1831, and you'll see a plaque on the side of it there that right, informs yeah. you of that. Now, in terms of where this is the original site, as close to the original site as the original Westgate Clamell was so this was the original one of the original sites of the wall town gates so the, during the siege of Clonmel in 1650 this particular gate saw very very intense fighting and would have sustained an incredible amount of damage through the west gate as we look out towards the Ardfinan side mm. that's Irish town so the name Irish town came from the natives or quote unquote native Irish they resided in Irish town and the more aristocratic or trades people uh, resided inside in the keep inside in the walled city the Irish of course that were that were outside or the peasantry that were outside were permitted to come in during the day to attend markets and stuff like that but at night most of them resided outside in the now Irish town so the reason Irish town is called Irish town is because that is where the 
peasants or the native the native Irish speaking population were actually resident and in here was the Anglican population. So how did they keep the people out of the rest of the town then? Well, there was a number of gates around the walled structure. Mm. So we're standing here at the west gate. There was the south gate that is down that was down towards Old Bridge, is yep. where the old bridge is now. Down at Sarsfield Street at the site of the Clonmel Arms, there was a thing called Watergate. So that was another gate. Um, again, when you, when you came back up Emmett Street, I, I presume that was the east gate. And when you came back again up towards the top of the town, there was another gate at Upper Gladstone Street, which, again, that was the walled centre of Clonmel, and this was the keep. Um, so the West Gate in general, so the current structure dates from 1831, as you can see on the side of it. Um, so... Again, it's a, it was built for defensive purposes to keep the Norman town safe and to keep the, I suppose, the, the business centre of Clanmel safe. Um, today, again, we have Irish town. Inside we have O'Connor Street, previously the High Street. Now, despite the fact the, that, the, that the, the Irish were allowed, to, that were not allowed to actually reside in mm. this part of the town, uh, they were coming in to con- conduct trade, conduct commerce and markets, I suppose the mad thing about this particular structure is that we're very lucky to have it at all because there was a plan, an ill-conceived plan by Clamell Corporation in the 60s to actually rip it down. What? So they were going to demolish or get rid and widen the street square at the top of O'Connor Street. And it seems mental, it seems crazy now when we look at what we actually have, but yeah, that was someone at some point thought that was a good idea and would have irreparably damaged the culture and history of the town in its last remaining gate structure. That's unbelievable to even consider that. Yeah, ab- absolutely, but at the same time, you know, short-sightedness. Like, our history is something that when it's gone, it's gone. And this, although it's in 1831, it's old. Like, the site it stands on is ancient. And what it symbolises for Clonmel, it's a huge part of it. As we were talking about, people think of two things when they think Clonmel. They think of the main guard and they think of the West Gate. And the great thing is you can see them both, can't you? Absolutely. Uh, look up from the main garden. Again, it's it's really a shame that we don't embrace our wall town, the history of our wall town, in more of a tourist-friendly uh, in a tourist-friendly way because we still have original walls in Owen St Mary's. We have original walls actually down the quay. Um, and it's something that the wall structure and the wall, uh, it, it's a unique thing to the keep towns of a particular period in Ireland. And I'd love if we could embrace it a small bit more and promote a bit more tourism in our town from that type of history. And of course, Dean, a lot of people would re- remember the days when you could drive up and down through the Westgate. It was two-way traffic. Two-way traffic, yeah. Look at the size of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't Here we are standing here thinking... I don't fancy that. No, 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 no. I'm all right. I'm all right. Jeez. And for many years, of course, in the 1980s, CBC Radio used to broadcast yeah. from the so, building too. Again, and this this is more... When we're talking about the history of the town, like it's so much more than just a building or a historical thing. Like This is something that became a part of the town. It became a part of the broadcasting culture. It became a part of people just coming into town, walking through the Westgate, looking up a lot of us don't even recognize it but when we get people from the likes of the states or we get people coming in that ha- that are natives of Clamel, they look at them like god two incredible buildings so close to each other and what a beautiful street again like look we are so lucky to have this this particular building and this gate still in our town what's lovely too when you do come through the west gate from irish town is how the street widens out isn't it yeah. Absolutely, and that's I, that's why it opens up. That again, it, it's quite narrow. You come down the street, narrows out, and the full old shopping district of O'Connell Street or the High Street, as it was called, and the main guard is right in front of you. Again, it's a it's quite a nice picture. 
Okay, so from the Westgate, Dean McGrath, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, man. Cheers. Historic Clonmel. Thank you, Dean. The Alison Cronin Dance Academy are now taking bookings for their Sundance Summer Camp, which is happening on Monday the 17th to Friday the 21st of July. It's on from 10am to 2pm and suitable for ages 5 to 13 years. Now, this is set to be a fun-filled week of singing, dancing, arts and crafts. And the price is €65. Now, for more information or to book your place, contact Jess on this number, 086-109-5062. That's 86 109 5062. And staying with the Alison Cronin Dance Academy, their annual show, Cinderella and Hits for Movies and Musicals, is coming to the Strand Theatre, Carrick on Shore, on June the 16th and 17th at 7.30 pm. Now, tickets will be on sale from Alison's Dance Studio over the Old Bridge on Tuesday the 30th and Wednesday the 31st of May from 8 am to 10.30 am. Clonmel Commercials ladies will have their flag day tomorrow around town. I know they were also collecting today. If you can afford to buy a flag and support the club, that would be great. Clonmel Mountain Bike Club are holding their first enduro race at Kerry's Castle on Sunday the 21st of May from 10am to 3pm. Over 240 riders taking part in this. Something to look forward to there. Also, Uproar Rock Chorus are holding an acoustic night with collaborations from Ross Boland, The Cedar Towns, Stuart Connolly, Kate Tuig, and Eve Whelan. What a lineup! It's all on at the Coachman on Friday, the 9th of June at 8 pm, and tickets are available right now from Eventbrite. Quick question for you Have you ever tried forest bathing? Hmm? Well, maybe now's the time because Nature Therapy Island are holding a forest bathing walk at Crotty's Lake in the Cumra Mountains. On Sunday, the 21st of May, forest bathing aims to rebalance your body, mind and soul by moving slowly and connecting to yourself, community and nature without expectation. For more details, check out the Nature Therapy Island social media pages. That sounds really good, doesn't it? A bike run for Alex will take place on Saturday, the 20th of May from Killanall, travelling to Clonmel, Kilkenny and back to Killanall to raise funds for Alex who's in ICU in Temple Street facing life-changing surgery. If you'd like to take part, the price is €20 per bike and registration is at 12.30pm. You can also donate on the fundraiser for Alex Butler GoFundMe page. The Old Bridge take on St Michael's in the Tipperary Cup final on Saturday the 27th of May at Care Park. Kickoff is at 7pm and all are welcome to attend. Crazy Tuesday is back at IMC Cinemas here in Clonmel. Get a standard ticket for just €6.50 all day, online or in store every single Tuesday. More details on imccinemas.ie. And if you do fancy going to the cinema this week, here's what's out. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with Chris Pratt. The Book Club, the next chapter with Mary Steenberg, Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda and the guy who kind of started off wearing no socks and shoes from his Miami Vice days, Don Johnson. <laughs> Come on, we all did it. Also out is Love Again with Celine Dion and Sam Hewen and coming next week, Fast 10. That's right, Fast and Furious 10. Now, how about some gorgeous food? Well, Bodega 1830 have a great lunch deal on at the moment where kids eat free when they're accompanied with an adult paying for lunch. Love this idea, especially if the family's popping in for lunch. The Kids Eat Free deal is on from Wednesday to Sunday from 11am to 3pm. 
The Irish Blood Transfusion Service have a clinic coming to Hotel Manila on the 29th to the 31st of May. However, if you'd like to give blood, you must make an appointment first, which you can do by calling this number, 1800-731-137. That's 1800-731-137. The South Tipperary Stroke Communications Group, in association with the Irish Heart Foundation, are holding a stroke conference and awareness event at the Talbot Hotel Poppyfields on Monday, the 26th of June, from 9.30am to 1.30pm, where there'll be guest speakers on the day, information stands, local support services, and lots more. This is a free event, and all are welcome to pop along. The Alzheimer's Society of Ireland will have their mobile information service unit outside the Clonmel Library on Tuesday the 18th of May, where you can drop by and get specialist information on dementia supports and services available in the area. Now, do you have any old furniture at home that you love to do up, as we'd say in the old days? Well, Joanne Condon is holding a furniture upcycling course at the South Tipperary Arts Centre on Saturday, May 20th from 10am to 5pm. The price is €150, and not only will you have the knowledge of how to upcycle your furniture, but also you leave with your very own upcycled piece of furniture. Get more details on the South Tipperary Arts Centre Facebook page. Clonmel Rugby Club are having their festival weekend on the 7th, 8th and 9th of July. This is said to be a great three days of live music being headlined on the Saturday by Limerick's Hermitage Green. More details and ticket sales on www.clonmelrsc.ie. The Clonmel Golf Club are holding a club classic on the 16th and 17th of June. €200 per team of four with a two-course meal included and the chance to win some Great prizes. Get more details on the Clonmel Golf Club Facebook page. Staying with the Clonmel Golf Club, the Golf Academy is now open for you to practice your game this summer, including range balls available from the dispenser for just a two euro coin where you get 25 balls. The Clune Training and Enterprise Centre will have a showcase of work in the Clonmel Library on May the 22nd to the 2nd of June, featuring ceramics, woodwork, embroidery, arts and crafts, and all are welcome. Now, how about some poetry in the park? Sounds good, right? Yeah, well, Poetry in the Park is coming to Dennisburg Park on Tuesday the 23rd of May at 7.30pm. All are welcome to come along, relax, meet new people, and write or recite some poetry. There's also a few things going on at the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History at Mickdale Square. Next Thursday, the 18th of May, is International Museum Day, where a significant donation will be unveiled at the museum. There will also be a mindful walk to Marlefield to an early monastic site. And on the Friday, the 19th of May, the museum will have its annual Pedigree Day, featuring sheep, cattle, horses, live farrier demo, traditional spinning demo, and lots more. It's a free event and on at the green area across from the high school between 1 and 2 p.m. The Feathered Athletic Club will have women's training every Thursday evening between 7 and 8 p.m. at the Feathered Town Park. If you'd like to join the club, contact Lorraine on this number 085-126-9546 or just call over to the town park for a chat. Oh, and by the way, don't forget Feathered AC are having their 5K race on the 25th of May at 7.30pm. €12 online registration. Get more details on the Feathered AC social media pages. Don't forget too that the Palmaca 8K road race and 5K fun run is on Friday the 19th of May. That's this day a week. 
Entry fee is just €10 Euros and registration takes place at 6.45pm with the race starting at 7.30. There'll also be prizes and refreshments after the race. The South Tipperary Autism Support Group are holding a public meeting at the Clonmore Resource Centre on Tuesday the 16th of May at 7pm in the hope of establishing a support group for adults with ASD, that's Autistic Spectrum Disorder. Now, all are welcome to attend, but if you are popping along, please RSVP to info at southtipautism.ie. The Bellavocci Summer Concert takes place at the Old St Mary's Church on Friday the 19th of May. It all starts at 8pm and your musical director is Eamon O'Malley. Tickets are €15 Euros plus booking fee from Eventbrite. Bingo continues this coming Monday at Hillview Sports Club. Jackpot stands at €1,000 with two grand in prize money. All gets underway at 8pm and tea and coffee will be served at half-time. The Clonmel Podcast Job Spot. Now, jobs this week, what have we got? Will AIM in Clonmel or is it AIM? You know where they are. They're beside Freeman Motors on the Waterford Road. They're looking for a supervisor. If interested, you can drop in your CV or email aimclonmel at outlook.com. Pennies in town are looking for part-time staff. Careers.primark.com has more details for you or want to just inquire in the store. Care Plus, based here in Parnell Street, are looking for healthcare students for some summer and part-time work. This is open to social care and nursing students with a minimum of one year completed. For more information, call 052-61-46230. That's 052-61-46230. Feathertown Park are looking to hire an operations manager part-time starting in June Flexible working hours. You can apply with CV and cover letter to info at feathertownpark.ie. Curtains Garage are looking for a mechanic, full-time, permanent role, good salary. More on their Facebook page. Cleaning staff and porters are wanted at Tipperary University Hospital. Get more details on hse.ie slash jobs. And staying with the HSE, they're looking to hire a maintenance foreman at the Tusler facility. Once again, go to hse.ie jobs for more details. Clonmel Waste are looking for a general operative for immediate start. You can drop in your CV to the office in Odgia Business Park or email hr at clonmelwaste.ie. Air in town are looking to hire a full-time sales assistant. More on jobs.air.careers at air.ie. If you'd like to advertise a job on the Clonmel Podcast, just email the Clonmel Podcast at gmail.com. Ah, breathe in, breathe out. Okay, it's time for this week's interview. And I went along to his favourite place in Clonmel, St. Patrick's Well, and met up with Joe Roach for a chat. The Clonmel Podcast. I'm now joined by Joe Roach, operatic tenor and training music therapist. Welcome to the Clonmel Podcast, Joe. Thanks, Mark. One of your favourite parts of Clonmel, St Patrick's Well, tell us what you love about it. Well, one of the reasons I returned to Clonmel is because there's so much natural beauty surrounding it. But right here in the, in the heart of it, we have this really tranquil area that I come to sometimes when I just want to clear my head before a potential or after a stressful day. So you can always find a bit of peace at St Patrick's Well. Even while we're here today, there was a chap earlier, he was taking away some of the water from the well to take home to drink. There's a, a lad in there now bathing in the well. As Dave Fanneries there, you know, it, it has uh, 
healing properties, the water. Oh, it's purported to be almost magical. Have you drank it yourself? Oh, I have actually. Have you? Times. Yeah, yeah. You're going to tell me you're 200 years old. That's well, why you look uh, great. That's why I look so good, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not sure about the healing properties, but it certainly tastes very fresh and mm. natural. But there's something special. I've said it a million times on the podcast. There's something special about St. Patrick's Well, isn't there? Yeah, there's sort of a, an ambience here, especially when you hear all the birds singing around you and distant noise of the town. It doesn't seem to quite encroach, and yet you know you're not far from home. Explain operatic tenor to me. I went to Dublin um, when I was 20 years of age, mm. and I began studying with um, Dr. Veronica Dunn, and that was when I really became interested in a career in opera. Um, I suppose if I was to try and describe the differentiation between being an opera singer please do yeah and any other kind of singer any other kind of theatre singer even a musical theatre singer it would be to say that an opera singer uh, sings acoustically so we don't use sound equipment we don't use amplification um, usually have quite a sizable orchestra so the orchestra depending on the production depending on the opera itself could have anything from 40 to 70 players in it um, and we are required to perform uh, with that orchestra and be heard over them despite the music having probably bigger range and trickier musical notation than most other types of music. A lot of strain on the voice then or do you know how to control it? Well, that's the whole point of the training. Mm. And yes, it can still be quite pressurised depending on the situation you're in, depending on other factors, depending on health as well. Pavarotti once said that two days of the year, the voice is perfect and everything's easy. For the rest of the year, you need technique. And so we never stop learning. I've been, I took my first singing lesson over 30 years ago. Where was that? Uh, with a baritone from Dublin named Peter McBrien but it was at the Waterford Institute of Technology at the time um, when it was a very a much smaller institute than it is now but I used to travel um, from Carlo where I was doing a marketing course once a week for my lessons with Peter but at the time I was much more interested in singing musical theatre and Peter was the one who persuaded me to start listening to opera so I did Big jump up though, surely. It's a different approach. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first time you got your lesson, did you think, oh my God, did you expect it to be maybe as tough? It wasn't tough so much as not what I expected. Mm. Uh, I thought he would um, teach me how to put that magical quiver in my voice that I thought all good singers had at the time um, and that I would instantly know how to sing higher and lower. What I didn't realise was that it's a very slow process. Uh, typically, a singer from beginning to making a professional debut take about seven to eight years. Uh, there's some physical development involved as well. There are a lot of very small, subtle muscles that need to be controlled. A lot of which you can't control directly, so it has to be done with thought more than anything else. Uh, suggestion, impression, sensation, it's slow going, but it's a very rewarding process as well. And if you have the right type of mind, and I do, it, that kind of boring drudge work is actually really interesting. <laughs>
Tell me about Welsh National Opera. Well, Welsh National Opera is the national company of National Opera Company of Wales, mm. um, and as most people know, singing is a huge part of Welsh culture. It certainly is, yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, singing is a big part of Irish culture as well, but I think in a different way, um, we tend to be more geared towards soloists uh, singing in very intimate venues. And I think we have a real history and flair for that. But the male voice choir is a big factor in Welsh culture. Um, and it goes back to mining uh, towns more than anything else. Usually collieries would have their own male voice choir. Now, even though that's male dominated, the principal problem with amateur choral societies and choirs in most countries is that the choir will be four-fifths ladies and you'll struggle to get a handful of men to join. In Wales, that's not a problem. <laughs> so Welsh National Opera was founded about, I think, about 77 years ago and it was formed from the basis of a Welsh male voice choir from the Valleys. Uh, from there, they've, they became a professional company some 20, 25 years later and ever since then have gone on to tour the world and maintain a very high standard of operatic performance. Uh, actually, Opera magazine um, wrote an article about them about eight or nine years ago saying that we had a claim to be the best opera chorus in the world at that point. Wow. So there's a, there's a rich history there that goes back a long way, but it's also embedded in the culture of the country and that really helps. How did you come to join? I had been studying at the Royal College of Music in London for mm. two years uh, on a postgraduate course in opera. At the same time, my wife-to-be was studying at the Royal Academy of Music across the town. While she was there, uh, somebody asked her if she would like to come to Cardiff to study with a renowned Welsh tenor named Dennis O'Neill. Uh, they were of the opinion that he could really help her with both her singing and her career. So she decided she was going to go to Cardiff. I was on tour at the time with a small opera company, uh, Pimlico Opera, but I told her I would go and join her as soon as I was finished at Christmas. So at Christmas that year, I moved to Cardiff. The following spring, both of us auditioned for Welsh National Opera, and by the autumn, we were performing with them. At first, we were just there as freelancers, mm. so we would have a single contract at the time doing whatever opera they needed extra chorus for um, and then 10 years ago in uh, 2013 we were both made full-time members of the ensemble so we were singing the chorus principally but also in uh, solo roles as well and did you travel the world with the opera? we did some uh, international travel we've been to the Middle East a few times to Dubai a couple of times and also to Oman was a very wonderful experience. We also went to the Czech Republic, performed at the Janáček Festival, which was a big honour. Uh, we went to a fantastic uh, festival in Savonlinna in Finland. Um, but principally, we tour through Wales and also the west of England. Now, I'm also gathering Wales, Prince of Wales at the time, now, King Charles, had you performed for him at all? 
Yes, Prince Charles uh, was patron of Welsh National Opera from the time I joined, and so he would usually attend most of our big premieres. Uh, I did have a wonderful experience whereby I proposed to my wife at the dress rehearsal of Lohengrin, which is a Wagner opera. Prince Charles is a big Wagner fan. Um, so when he attended the premiere a few days later, he had already seen the proposal <laughs> online. And uh, he was very gracious. He came up, he congratulated us, he chatted to us for ages, asked us about our plans. Uh, and subsequently then we were on the BBC News and on the national papers and <laughs> the whole thing just kind of... Took off? Yeah, it, it gathered legs. Must have been huge planning into that, Joe. Well, it's definitely the most stage fright I've ever had. And I've been on stage a lot, but... So was there an audience here at the time? There wasn't... Would there be for dress rehearsal? Well, generally in Welsh National Opera, the dress rehearsals are closed, Mm, which mm. means there was only about 700 people in there. (laughs) And everybody there has belonged to somebody or some connection with the company Mm. or some connection to somebody with a connection to the company. Did they know this was happening? No, no, No. it was a complete surprise. And the only people who knew were the artistic director of the company and the stage manager. In fact, I have it on good authority that there were one or two people on the stage who thought they were going to have to tackle me off the stage. <laughs> they didn't really know what I was doing. They thought maybe I was going to go out and make some sort of a protest or <laughs> something like that. But when the, as, the, as the bow was finished, I just went to the front of the stage, um, asked for the audience's indulgence for a minute or two and called my then-girlfriend down to the front of the stage with me. And the rest is history. So, have you got married yet? Yes. You did? You got yeah, married since Yeah, we got then? married seven years ago. Fantastic. I'm very happily married now. Um, although, this year we've been apart since oh, August. Nice. Why is that? My wife is still working at Welsh National Opera. What's your wife's name? Uh, Polly. Polly, okay. Polly's working at Welsh National Opera um, because I moved home last year to Clonmel mm. in order to help my parents mm. and also to pursue a master's in music therapy. Yes, tell me about music therapy. If I was to have a guess, would it have something to do with helping people out with uh, mental difficulties maybe? Yeah, that would because be a big part of it. music, you hear your favourite song on the radio, it gives you a lift, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah, absolutely. Music can have a very immediate physiological effect depending on the situation, depending on the music itself and the, the person's condition at the time. There are many different facets to it. Mm. I would say the way I would describe it is is using music as a tool to help people towards non-musical goals. So this is important to separate it from musical education, say, where you're working with people musically, but the idea is to achieve a musical aim. In music therapy, the aims are very rarely musical. Music therapy is most useful to people who can't benefit from normal forms of talk therapy or maybe need assistance with physical therapy that is beyond them or not particularly suited to their needs. Mm. So groups like um, people with mental illness, uh, children with, with developmental disorders, older people with dementia, and a big growing area at the moment is in physical rehabilitation. So, for example, the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Dunleary, which is a fantastic state-of-the-art facility, has a music therapy department now. There's six full-time music therapists and trainees on placement there every year. 
And how many more years do you have left to finish? One more year. One so more I've year. I've just completed my first year and there is one more year involved. And you hope to maybe do something here in Clonmel with it? I'm not sure. Mm. There are more opportunities in music therapy emerging regularly now. There's been a lot of talk about it in the media. Uh, Ryan Tuberty, for instance, has taken it on as a, a bit of a personal interest mm. when he had Tradfest on the Late Late Show. That's right, yeah. Two of the musicians were music therapists and he gave them a decent platform to talk about their work. I think that actually spurred his own imagination a little bit then. So more recently on his radio programme, he had the lead singer of Bellex One, who trained as a music therapist during the pandemic. And again, he gave a fantastic interview, really evangelised the discipline very well and tried to address maybe some of the common misconceptions and give people a better idea what it was all about and how and why it might be useful. It all sounds very interesting. It is pretty interesting. Mm. It's, it's very organic. A lot of it is about being very present with a client, being very present with somebody, but using music as an expressive tool in many cases. So for example, we might work with a child with severe disabilities, physical and mental. And a child in normal developmental situation will have opportunities to have an influence on the world around them. They, they do something, it creates an impact, and then they receive that impact back. That's how they learn, that's how they grow in confidence over time and move through the various stages of typical development. A child with developmental delay may not have those opportunities or that ability. So they may spend years where there's very little feedback and they have very little idea what impact they have on the world. When you give a child a simple musical instrument, say for instance uh, a pitched percussion instrument like a mm. xylophone or even yeah. a, just a chime, and uh, you give them the opportunity to make some, make some noise with it. But then the music therapist typically will use another musical instrument, maybe a harmonic instrument like a guitar or a piano, and mirror, match and ground. These are some of the techniques that we use mm. in order to show the child that we hear them, that what their music is makes a difference to us. It can be quite fascinating to watch a child I'd say it would be, yeah. understand for the first time mm. that what they're doing has an influence and can be fed back to them, can sometimes result in a child bursting into laughter mm, mm. for the first time maybe in quite a while. Uh, it must be incredibly frustrating to feel locked in yeah, uh, because there's often an awful lot more going on underneath than there is on the surface. And so music gives the child a chance to express themselves. Now, how that expression comes across depends a bit on the relationship, how long you've been working with them, how they're feeling that day, other situations in their life, but you can get a good idea of the child's emotional state, for instance, by how they play. Especially when they start to experience the feedback that you're giving them through the piano or the guitar, or the ukulele or whatever you happen to be playing at the time, or, or vocalising towards them. So by mirroring, you're also amplifying and expanding mm. what they're doing. You're showing them 
how they feel. And that helps to develop their sense of self, which again is something that sometimes children with developmental disorders sorely lack. As I said, it all sounds extremely interesting and the best of luck with the, uh, the rest of it too. Thank you. Tell us about yourself. Where in town are you from? I'm from Dillon Street. Dillon Street. Okay, so um, good years living in Dillon Street, growing up in oh, Dillon Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dillon Street was great for the simple reason that I was right smack in the middle of the town. Yeah. Um, so you were, yeah. all my friends used my house as, as a hub. Um, <laughs> to the to the point where sometimes I wouldn't even be there and they mm. would let themselves in on a Saturday night and stay <laughs> and my parents would meet them the next morning as they were leaving <laughs> so yeah it was nice being central everything was within walking distance which was great you know when you didn't have a car or anything um, we had lots of fun and I was also very near the high school and St Peter Paul's where I went to school as well so I was naturally I was always late and did you hang out on the streets in Dillon Street. Where did you play out when you were younger? Mainly in College Avenue, I suppose, mm. actually, just up around the corner. Fine um, big wide street there as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And we used to play football up around the Borstal before it was kind of developed into the swimming pool and the, the band hall and the library. Before all that was there, we used to kick footballs around there for hours on end. And then I spent a lot of my time as well, I suppose, up at the high school in the basketball court because I was a very keen basketball player when Wait, I was a really? teenager. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was, yeah, I suppose when I was 15, 16, I wanted to be a professional basketball player. But unfortunately, I never grew past five foot ten, so it wasn't to be. Well, I'm six foot five and I was a rubbish basketball player. I never made the team. <laughs> I was always picked. I was rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely rubbish. Any other sports that you took an interest to? I quite enjoy <clears throat> swimming. I still do. Mm. Um, but other than that, I tend to shy away from sports, especially team sports or contact sports because mm. it just can create too much of a problem for performing you know there's nothing worse than rehearsing right. something for five weeks and then falling and breaking an ankle oh, and yeah. then losing out on the whole thing and that has happened once or twice so do you remember the pool being built then yeah 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 i do well i remember the well there was a pool there first and then the pool that's there now was basically kind of replaced it but the building was ah. modernized so much that it's, it's practically a new pool yeah but i used to uh, yeah, after primary school in the evening, I'd finish at quarter past three. I would make it down home, grab my stuff, and I would be in the pool by half three. Um, most days, actually, for a few years. I loved it down there. Absolutely mm. loved the water. Couldn't, couldn't get enough of it. No plans to maybe become a David Hasselhoff, <laughs> a, a lifeguard or one of us? No chance. <laughs> Opera singers rarely have the physique for that kind of thing. Where did the interest in singing actually come from then? I mean, were you part of the Choral Society or any of those back in the day? Yeah. Well, I, I performed in the high school in Presentation Musical, which was Oklahoma the year I did it. Mm. And that was a bit of an eye-opener. The first time I heard an audience applause, uh, I remember the hairs just stood up in the back of my neck. And I like this. I, oh, yeah. I, really, I thought I could, I could get used to this. So then soon afterwards, I joined Mary Cummins' Gable Youth Theatre. Mm. And that was a big help. Mary was hugely encouraging. I never had the pleasure, but I've heard so many lovely things about her. And Mary was amazing. Mary always put the children first. Mm. The shows were important, but the children came first. As long as everyone had fun, everyone got a chance to express themselves, to get out, to do their turn, do their thing. Um, that was a great um, favourite expression of Mary's, actually, is do your thing <laughs> and and you know whatever it was whatever your thing mm. was you got to do it um, and we all we all enjoyed it I made lots of great friends while I was there um, and great stage experience as well uh, the first show I sang with Mary was, was West Side Story which I look back now and think 
Where was that held? In the White Memorial, White Memorial Theatre. Theatre. Yeah, yeah, theatre. yeah. Myself and um, Andrea Ruth, who's a very well-known singer in Clonmel now. Um, but it was a, a fantastic experience. I mean, looking back for, what I was like, 17 maybe, it was amazing. Mm, mm. And then the following year I did another show with her and then I left school. And around that time too, then I, I, I got involved with um, St Mary's Choral Society as well. I did uh, Showstoppers with them, which was songs from lots of different shows. And then after I had begun my training with Dr Veronica Dunn at the Leinster School of Music in Dublin, I came back and St Mary's Choral Society as a sort of a, I suppose, a, a kind of a, an, in, an encouragement and a boost. They, they, they paid me to come back and do a, a show with them, which was something they don't normally mm. do. But as one of their former members and somebody who was trying to make a career in singing, it was really very welcome. It was a good experience. And also the, the money was very welcome too at the time. Jobs like that were few and far between at the beginning. And it's great to do something that you love at the same time, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I think if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So what happened after then? Uh, I continued uh, studying with Veronica Dunn for a few years. Um, and then I worked with another singing teacher in Dublin named Connor Farron, uh, who was very important as well in my singing development. Singing is a long-term slow burn and I took my first singing lessons over 30 years ago and I'm still studying it never ends after that I actually returned to study for a while mm. I pursued a degree in psychology at Trinity College for four years but as I pursued the degree I found myself singing more and more and I think maybe the idea that I didn't have to be a singer at that point because singing singing is difficult being, especially being a young singer is difficult. There's a lot of knockbacks and uh, it can take a toll on your confidence. I needed something else. I needed another string to my bow. But as the four years went on, I found myself singing more and more. And at the point when I came to the end of the degree, I knew I would be singing. I wanted to finish my degree. Um, but at that point, I had a scholarship to the Royal College of Music in London. And so I went there and did a postgrad in opera for two years. How was that? That was another eye-opening experience. Mm. Uh, for the first time, I was surrounded by a very high standard of international singers, the young singers that come to the Royal College of Music, come from all over the world. Um, many of them have already got careers in opera. Um, they just want to consolidate, make contacts. So the standard of performance was incredibly high. Did you start to doubt yourself because of that? At times, mm. it started off very well. There was a production of Deflator Mouse that I had the, the lead role in, and that went very, very well. The following year, the repertoire for the performances didn't really suit me, and so I felt a little bit marginalised by the whole thing. But as is often the case with these things, I already had my eye on other things anyway, and I started to work with some of the festivals, um, Grange Park and Garsington, and then I went on tour with um, Pimlico Opera, which was the touring branch of Grange Park Opera. So I kind of slipped out of the Royal College quite quietly <laughs> at the end. <laughs> so was it long after that you joined the Welsh National Opera? Not too long after that. I suppose if I finished at the Royal College of Music in April or May, mm. then the following Christmas I had moved to Cardiff. And my wife had moved to Cardiff to study with a renowned Welsh tenor named Dennis O'Neill. 
and I went to join her. I wasn't quite sure what I'd do when I got there, <laughs> but I knew uh, I'd find my way somehow. Mm. So shortly after we, after I arrived, uh, we both auditioned for the chorus of Welsh National Opera, and by the following September, we were getting regular engagements, regular contracts there to sing in the chorus and also in small principal roles. Um, we did that for a number of years and actually sometime in that period I also went back to London and I spent a year in the full-time chorus at the Royal Opera House at Covent Garden. Oh yeah. Well, that was a very interesting experience as well, a very different uh, atmosphere from Welsh National Opera. Welsh National Opera is a touring company primarily, so we perform at the Wales Millennium Centre in Cardiff, but we also tour uh, throughout Wales and the west of England. The Royal Opera House perform at the Royal Opera House. That's right, you're there, aren't you? You're just there. Yeah. Uh, they do a lot more productions than us. They would typically do 14 to 16 productions in a year, where we would do nine. We would have three seasons of three operas that we would take on tour. They're constantly turning over new shows while they're rehearsing one show in musically, another show on stage, they're also performing two. So there's a constant rollover of shows and rehearsal periods. That's a, a better paid job mm, than mm. Welsh National Opera, but also more challenging, more demanding and really requires that you spend about six days a week in the mm. middle of London, which didn't suit me all that much. I was about to ask you, yeah, did you enjoy your time living in London or I prefer had a, Cardiff? I had a great time in London. I met some amazing people and mm. the, uh, the Royal Opera House also has a standard of singers that come. I met, I met some of my heroes at the Royal Opera House. And got Were you to, nervous meeting your heroes, by the way? Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you, you do, don't you? When yeah, you meet, like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, have a, I have a lovely photograph um, on my wall of um, Placido Domingo <sighs> with his arm around me Go away. Um, singing on stage in Nabucco and that was a fantastic experience but I also met uh, Angela Georgiou Anna Trebko Roberto Alagna um, the late great uh, Dmitry Vorostovsky these are massive names in our mm. industry um, world famous singers with incredible voices and careers and just being on stage with them is a learning experience when I was a fan of opera when I was starting out and I, I listened to opera you know four or mm. five hours a day these are the people I was listening to um, these are the people I was trying to learn from people I was trying to emulate and to be there on stage with them and also hearing them up close is always an education mm. because for an opera singer how we vibrate the air right in front of us is everything and this is something you just can't capture in a recording. It's an acoustic art form. Uh, it's typically not amplified. And so how you affect the air around you is, is that's your art, that's your craft. And so to be able to stand in front of someone like Placido Domingo and hear him up close. And did you learn something from him as well? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I learned about the, the energy, if nothing else, required to do what someone of his standard does. Mm. So for him, singing a, a principal role at the Royal Opera House is energy-wise equivalent to running a marathon. He will be sweating profusely mm. by half an hour into the first act and it doesn't end and by the end of it he needs to lie down. Although typically he, he would um, entertain people till the early hours of the morning after performance. That was something he was known for. No way. Mm. <laughs> Were you ever there to witness it? No, I was no. never invited, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Did you miss home when you were away? 
Yes, I miss mm. my family primarily and I miss my friends. And did you get to come home much at all? Yeah, we would typically come home in the summer mm. and then at Christmas. But because my wife is from Monaghan, mm. it's a little bit awkward because they're not easy places to get between Clonmel mm. and uh, Three Mile House. But we would always try and get home at Christmas and always try and get home in the summer. The unfortunate side effect of that though is as well as that we typically wouldn't have a holiday yeah. per se. So we could count the holidays we've had. We've been together for 19 years. So we mm. can count the amount of holidays we've had together on, on our fingers in that time. Because most likely our holiday will be to Clonmel and Monaghan to Monaghan. Yes. Yeah. So we're hoping now, because we're, we're in the process of moving back to Clonmel, that uh, at some stage we, we might get into the routine of having slightly more ambitious holidays. And how does Polly feel about moving to Clonmel? She's a little bit apprehensive, I think, because mm. it's, it's, uh, she's never lived here before. Um, we made the decision to live in Clonmel because I wanted to be near my parents. They're at an age when I think I can be of use to them and mm. she can as well. Yeah. Um, her mum is a little younger mm. and very, very sprightly and very independent. So she's happy to have somewhere to visit. Mm. She'll be delighted to come down and see us in, in our house in Clonmel. Um, but Polly is hoping to put down roots here and become part of the fabric of the town. And we look forward to it. You, has, has Polly been to St. Patrick's well yet? She has actually, yeah. What did she think? Yeah, oh, she loved it. Yeah. But we've done a lot of walking, especially in the woods, um, just outside Clonmel and County Waterford, around there, around the Cumras and that. Mm. And she really is quite taken with the natural oh, beauty around here. We, we've got some fabulous places and walks around here, haven't we? Yeah. It's become about my fam my favourite thing to do, really. is just I usually get up around half six every morning and by about quarter past seven I'm in the car with the dog and just heading out to the woods somewhere. I find it sets me up for a, a better day. So it's up for the whole day. Mm. Joe Roach, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Thanks a million, Mark. The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Joe. So there we have it. That is the Clonmel Podcast for this Friday, the 12th of May. If you'd like to get in contact, I'd love to hear from you. You can email the Clonmel Podcast at gmail.com. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, on the website, www.theclonmelpodcast.com. You can also WhatsApp 089 202 Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely week and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History, Migdalahunty Square, Clonmel. Book our International Museums Day walk by calling 052 616 5252 or email museum at tipperarycoco.ie. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast.